You are listening to Impact 89 FM. I am Mike Marucci, entertainment editor and host of the Afterglow here at the Impact. Now, the Afterglow is our ambient and electronic music specialty show, which is where you might hear some tracks from multi-instrumentalist Omar Ahmad, who I'm glad to be speaking with today. Omar, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. So your solo debut, Inheritance, releases July 7th, uh, coming up very soon. Uh, how long ago did you start working on this project? Does a starting point come to mind? Yeah, it's actually pretty funny because I, I almost remember the day. It was the first week of April of 2020. So I think I had been doing a lot and doing performances and ultimately the pandemic had other plans for live music at the time. And I think that experience kind of sent me inward rather than outward. Uh, and I started working on the, the first track, which would become a little time for me. Gotcha. And you chose Inheritance as your album title. There's a lot of weight on album titles uh, for this particular word. What emotions and images stem from that word? Uh, I think as far as emotions, there's definitely like a, a fear of letting others down. You know, I think with Inheritance comes expectations. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think while people treat inheritance like something that they're leaving for their legacy, it's so often mired in kind of strings being attached to what is inherited from like a financial perspective. But then I kind of delve deeper into the idea and then really inheritance of traits and characteristics, you know, and as you grow older, learning more and more about how, you know, your parents were probably not an age that you are now approaching or, or that you've been and realizing, you know what, like, am I actually a lot like them? And what have I inherited? And then, of course, in the context of culture, uh, I'm Palestinian by heritage and, you know, inheritance as an idea as far as land or as far as an ability to return to a place where, you know, Palestinians in the diaspora have largely been displaced from uh, is also interesting because I think there's a lot of discussion of right of return and divine right and, you know, yeah, inheritance being broken, I think, in that regard is also a, a unique theme for me, too. Mm-hmm. And what do you, what would you say in this record, how does your Palestinian heritage and drawing from how it's colonially, colonially divided, it's war-torn, how do you take those inspirations and put it into the record? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, there are two or three tracks that actually include uh, cuts from cassette tapes from my youth, um, some of which take place in Palestine, some of which take place in the greater community here. Um, the track Usra, uh, which means kind of community or family at large, um, actually includes uh, a snippet from my parents' wedding tape. Uh, and it's really interesting because, you know, while my relationship to being Palestinian is very much through the lens of the Arab American experience, as opposed to growing up kind of in Jerusalem like my, my family did, um, you know, this, uh, basically the story of the track is that there's this wedding singer who stole the mic at my parents' wedding and plugged an ad of himself during their wedding. And he kind of says all this brazen, pompous kind of stuff. Uh, and I took, I took that sample, which actually sounds really cool and really beautiful. Uh, and what's funny is that in, in my own kind of little Easter egg way, for people who understand Arabic, they'll listen to the track and be like, what the hell is he saying? Like, what is he saying? But but to the untrained ear, it just sounds like this like meaningful, cool fit, like sample, right? Which I think a lot of like Arab samples have been used in a way to to try to 
make things seem more ethnic or more worldly or in like deep house people will just throw random moaning sounds from what sounds like the middle east because it makes it sound kind of austere um so that's that's one way it shows up is kind of through that track um and then you know in a little time for me there's actually some sampling of my dad talking to uh this group of three village girls uh, in east jerusalem uh and asking kind of like who their parents are and it kind of acts as a, a starting point for the record as far as like hey you know from a lineage perspective like he's asking these little girls like who, who are you like like who, like who, who's your family you know where where do you come from and it's very faded into the background but that's one part and then of course you know my grandmother to whom the album is uh dedicated she's featured uh at the end of the second song called Gesso and Gesso for those who paint is uh, kind of the primer you use to prepare a canvas before painting uh and similarly you know that track is used to kind of describe childhood and uh my grandmother is featured at the end of that track explaining how she had kind of built a home you know, for me and my family out in East Jerusalem, little did we know it would ultimately end up being, you know, dispossessed or, you know, incredibly difficult to actually get to. And that track is a call and response because it starts with my my siblings uh, sending a video to my grandmother when I was born saying, hey, you know, Omar has been born. You know, we love him so much. We're so excited to show him to you. My dad took that cassette, flew over to Palestine, showed it to my grandmother and then recorded her response. And that that's how you the track is bookended. So it, it kind of makes its way, you know, in a very personal way into into a lot of the tracks. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And I guess that leads into another question where when you think of inheritance, when you inherit something and then you pass it down to somebody else, uh, oftentimes you might alter that in certain ways. Mm -hmm. Does this project speak to how we take the things we inherit and then shape it, alter it ourselves, but also keep uh, what was passed down was intact a little bit in the same way or that's I mean yeah I, I I probably didn't even realize that until you said it but I think that that's really what I would love to be able to say you know is that I've taken kind of this culture which is what I would call kind of a a, a velvet you know gift from my family that is covered in spikes you know, that's like hard to handle. You know, there's so much beauty to it and softness and care, but it's also very hard to metabolize a lot of the time. Um, and I'm trying through this record to really, you know, file down those sparks, you know, or, or the, the, the spikes, excuse me. Um, and I think it's really a way to say to whomever I pass it down to, you know, here's a time capsule of where I was and how it all happened for me. And I'm giving it to you to choose what to do with it. Whereas a lot of what was handed to me came with such great expectations. I'm also the first son of, of a first son in a very patriarchal kind of background culture. Uh, and deciding to step back from that role within my family, I think, is something that, you know, I'm trying to really take what ha has been inherited and kind of break that chain and really like, like create a situation of here's all that I have for you to take, but I'm not pushing it to you, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Seems that a lot of what you speak to here and a lot of the content of the record revolves around the concept of memory mm -hmm. and maybe sometimes the flaws in our memory, things we've lost, things we misremember. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to speak any further on the role of memory in your project or do you think you've covered it? Uh, I, I could talk a little bit about it, which is that, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm definitely just as susceptible as anybody else to like, living my life as if there's a story to it 
you know, and saying, okay, here's what my life means. You know, if I was a the main character in the story of my life, here's what it is. And I do find that when I can't remember something, it's very easy to kind of create or falsify memories that fit into that story. And I do think a, a large part of why I even have a track called Descended from a Wanaka Tree and then Borrowed Memory in parentheses is because that involved one of the earliest stories of me really acting like myself, uh, which was that on my first day of school, apparently I went and tried to climb a tree rather than lining up with the rest of the students at the end of it and nearly fell out. And that track is, is from a child's perspective of that story. The one thing is that I don't remember that happening. So I basically wrote a track piecing together a memory that a bunch of other people told me from their recollections of the event. So, you know, if, if there's any microcosm of the theme that you just mentioned, you know, that is definitely uh, uh, a part of it. I think our, uh, our station manager here at the radio station would like that story quite a bit because uh, she really loves to climb trees. Oh, really? More than, more than anything else, uh, it seems she loves to climb trees. So I think uh, she would resonate with that one. Mm -hmm. And I guess that leads me to touch on something that I think you did touch on a little earlier about kind of like an inner battle between choosing what's been given to us and the things we can acquire by branching out. Like you said, um, trying to adapt to being firstborn son um, how do you think your record speaks to that inner battle of, you know, this is what I've inherited. This is what I want to branch out as. Do you think, uh, you think that you were able to touch on that with this record? Yeah, I think so. I think in some ways, um, but it's, it's very much, it very much feels like the beginning with this record. You know, I, I'll, I'll put it that way where I don't feel like I've come to a resolution so much as like highlighted the battle, maybe more so through it. Um, I think, you know, being a, a New Yorker and growing up in New York and in a kind of post 9-11, you know, America, uh, which very much colored my lived experience as a child. Um, you know, we experience a lot of racism and a lot of challenge as a family and me as an individual as well. Um, I think, you know, I, I grappled with whether or not I even wanted to identify with being Arab or Palestinian, you know, and on the spectrum of race, you know, I very much lead what I would call still a very privileged life. You know, even the, the moniker, you know, person of color, I don't believe really applies to me in, in the traditional sense. Um, however, uh, it's taken really the, you know, the last 10, 15 years of my adulthood to really decide what I do and don't want to align with in my own culture. You know, I realized that over indexing to American culture and inheriting what I've learned from being an American uh, did not actually feel any better, you know, as compared to, you know, aligning with my, you know, Arab or Palestinian culture. Now, the, the, the great challenge is, is that I think amongst the, the most hardcore Palestinians I know, it's, you know, go hard or go home as far as how much you identify with it. And with Americans, it's the same. <laughs> it's, 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 it's very challenging. So I think I find myself never really making anybody fully happy. Um, and a lot of my decisions and what I do choose to, to, abide by and what is tr what what my truth is uh really on a day-to-day -day basis i feel like i'm, I'm always this like trying to decide and figure out where i stand and there's no one ide ideology or concept that i really resonate so hardcore with that i wanted to adopt um but what i will say is that i've been getting closer to my 
Arab heritage while simultaneously moving further away from the constraints of culture, if that makes sense. So it's less learning through others what the culture is, and it's more really just embracing the beauty of the history, you know, of the land, of the music, of the cuisine, of the people at large, um, but not, not really letting other people define my experience. And I think I've let that happen for maybe too long. I'll say the last thing I'll say on the topic, though, is that I do think that extends to music as well. You know, I think a lot of people might want to listen to the record and realize like, hey, I thought this would be more Middle Eastern themed as far as a lot of the instrumentation and stuff. To me, it would feel, you know, pretty disingenuous to like go full tablas only and oud and sitar and all these like Arab instruments. I, I do include some, you know, Sham Oasis is kind of a, a play on words. Sham is the region of the Middle East that's kind of uh, Palestine, Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, etc. It's called Sham in Arabic. Um, and then it's often viewed as like an oasis, like a desert oasis. But Sham also means like a fake, right? So I, I actually reconcile with uh, like the authenticity of leaning too hard into a culture performatively through that track. And that's another, you know, way through the record I kind of grapple with, you know, how much can I really absorb and what really is my identity in all of this? Gotcha. So I know that you have just, well, the record hasn't even come out yet, but you were saying that you're still grappling with all these things and how it might go into your music after this record comes out and after, you know, you let it marinate for a while, do you think you're going to take a wildly different direction or do you think you're going to be following a similar vein? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I really like your line of questioning. I wanted to uh, appreciate that before I answer, um, very thoughtfully done, but, um, uh, I believe it or not, I already have kind of another body of music that I'm really excited about that I've been sitting on. It's probably about 60 to 70% finished. I will say that it leans uh, into the experimental side of the album more so. You know, I think tracks like Lapses and, you know, Sham Oasis and, uh, you know, some of the more rhythmic tracks are like an homage to a lot of the time that I've spent DJing in the city and, um, the more rhythmic stuff, but I do think that I've really found a lot of solace in much more uh, expansive uh, and really like deeply emotional music. Not that those tracks are not very emotional, but just songs that don't require a physical uh, focus, um, but instead I can just kind of lose myself in. So there's a body of work that is also very personal um, that will likely follow the album. And it, and it builds on a similar sound to some of the tracks that are already on the record. I'd I'd argue the record is a bit of a hybrid, you know, between ambient experimental and then kind of rhythmic um, electronic music. So I I think it leans more, more ambient experimental, but I'm excited to kind of get into it when I can. Mm -hmm. And so when you say deeply emotional, do you think that, you know, this record that you have here and future records that you might have, what's the right environment to listen to these in? So that's also a good question. Um, it depends on where you're comfortable getting deeply emotional. I, I, I guess that's the first thing. You know, wherever people feel comfortable and safe. Um, I'll say that what I had in mind while writing the record is really just like long walks at night, you know, where, you know, you're not really so distracted by the humdrum 
you know, things of the day going by. Um, and while I don't think that the record entirely takes place at night, if I had to say it took place during a time of day, it's really just like just after sunset, you know, so you can still see what's around you, but like, it's clearly getting darker. Um, so I think, I think environmentally speaking, obviously listening at home would be great. Um, listening out on a walk by yourself would be great as well, or, you know, with a loved one. Um, but honestly, like, while I hate to say it, it's also not bad to listen to like while you're working or, you know, as music that you can kind of decide when you do and don't want to pay attention to it. I will say that some tracks command a lot of attention. So, you know, it might be harder to work <laughs> listening to some of those, but um, it's really, really for anywhere. The, the only place that, you know, I would argue not, not really the place for it is really like a nightclub. You know, like I love DJing and I love dance music and I'm starting a new, a new project actually this weekend with a good friend, but uh, I'd like, I'd like the listening experience to be a little more intimate. All right. Well, I'll just hit you with one more question before we go. Um, what do you think is one thing that the listeners should take away or I suppose inherit from this project, uh, you know, after they listen to it or listen to it a few times, is there like a central thing that you would want us to take away or is it more so like take what you will? Man, I love these questions. So good. Like, because they're really challenging me. Uh, so I think if I, like, I, I don't have a prepared answer for this question, uh, but to be fair, I don't have a prepared answer for any of the questions, but um, the answer that I would give off the top of my head is that I think people should spend as much time getting to know themselves as they can. You know, I think that over the course of the record, I really grappled with what it meant to be a musician. You know, I think, you know, there was a part of me that really wanted to create music that would be catering to an audience that was specific and having done performances many times, the connection between the audience and the performer, I think is really important. But um, I learned really, really, really deeply and really well how to just love myself a lot. You know, and I think that, you know, if somebody's sitting and listening to the music, I really like implore you to not think about like me necessarily like I, like i'm not really interested in myself as a product um i'm more interested in using it as a as a doorway right for other people to consider themselves so whatever somebody can find within themselves or hear within themselves like use the listening to the record as an opportunity to kind of go inward you know more so and to connect with yourself and also realize that you're not just going to come away from that process loving every part of yourself you know, you're going to be really challenged and you're going to butt up against some really sticky programming and maybe learning things that you don't especially love about yourself, but that you really want to grow through and change. And, and I think that that, you know, is, is probably the one takeaway, which is, you know, be aware of what you've inherited, um, but also be aware that you can decide what to do with it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Omar. Omar Ahmad's solo debut, Inheritance, comes out July 7th. And thank you all for listening. Uh, this is Mike Marucci with Impact 89 FM signing off.